All right, our reading of scripture today comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 25, starting with verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last year, my son Davis and I went down to Orlando. We went to do some of Universal Studios and some of Disney World. And as you can imagine, a lot of people were there at the same time. And so the wait lines were enormous. We were about to go on one ride and it was an hour long wait. And they corral you into these lines that just go back and forth. They snake around and we waited and waited and waited and we walked around these lines and it felt like around the corner, the ride was about to begin because we heard enjoyment and movement and everything. And we walked around the corner and there was more lines. There were more lines just going back and forth and back and forth. And we were all there for about an hour waiting for a five minute ride. (laughs) And I know some people are in that happy place and they're just thinking, I paid all this money to wait in line all day. You'll be shocked. They've done some research about people waiting in line. People don't like to wait in line. Did you know that? (laughs) This This is true. The longer that people wait in line in a place, the more they get bored, they get frustrated, and they get angry. Can you imagine what someone looks like or sounds like when they're angry, when they have to wait and wait and wait? We don't have to imagine anymore. You can go on YouTube and see plenty of people act very inappropriately because they're angry, because they've been waiting. Some of us may be some of those people, but we won't tell, right? If you think about it, waiting goes against everything that we come to expect in our world today. We want things now, we want things immediately. We don't want to wait for something. I've loved recently, there are a couple of of businesses or restaurants especially that are using the opportunity for you to show up and to give your phone number and you can go do whatever you want to. They will text you when your table is about ready so you can come back. You don't have to sit there and wait you can go do something else. I love that. It's called virtual waiting. Virtual waiting. You're still waiting, (laughs) but you're not tied to that place anymore. You're free to go wherever. You know, even in that same situation, some people still can get frustrated and angry. I don't know what it is about us that we want everything 
right now, but it seems to be pervasive in our lives here in this country, in this place. I mean, think about it. We want our politicians to fix things now, not tomorrow, now. We want our churches to make decisions on things now. We don't want to wait. We want our employees to work harder and faster to build up more income for our business now. We don't want to wait until they are trained. Everything needs to be fast. And yet Isaiah in chapter 25 says, wait on the Lord. Wait on God. Wait on God because God is going to do something. This series that we're doing right now, we're walking through the book of Isaiah and we're talking about four words in Hebrew that can help us become resilient. And today we're talking about waiting. Waiting does not seem to be something that makes us resilient. For some people, waiting might seem like you're wasting time. That seems to be the antithesis of becoming resilient. Maybe it makes you weaker if you're thinking about it. But waiting on God, can make us resilient, meaning that we can bounce back from the down times, the hurtful times, the troubling times. We can bounce back and be faithful and hopeful again. So how does waiting do this? As you heard from our children's moment today, the word hope is related to the word rope. There are images in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, about a cord or a rope. And any time that this is mentioned, it's either about being used as a bridle to sort of hold people back, or it's being used as a sign of hope with the understanding that this rope is connected to God, connected to something strong, and it's something to hold on to. The author of Hebrews, Pastor Robert was telling me this past week, the author of Hebrews talks about it not as a rope per se, but as an anchor, something strong tied to a rope holding us in the place that our hope is an anchor. Now, why are we talking about waiting and hope as if they're interchangeable? Well, it's because in this passage, especially, but in many places in the Old Testament, the word wait and the word hope can be almost interchangeable. The word for wait that we read, especially in the ninth verse of Isaiah 25, is kava, kava, to wait. And it's related to the word tikva, sort of similar, a little bit different, tikva, which means hope. To wait in the Lord means to hope in the Lord. To wait in the Lord means to stand firm that God has taken care of it, that God is there for us, and that we hold on to that hope. Again, a word, rope, that is connected to hope and waiting. We wait, we wait, we hope, we hope. But we're not wasting time when we wait or we hope. We are confident in what God has done and will do. Sometimes when we're waiting, we're spending time, aren't we? We're just counting the seconds for what might happen in the future. When we talk about waiting in the Bible, we're talking about something different than just spending time. In fact, in theology, there's two different ways of talking about time. One is called chronos. That's about earthly time. That's our time, our time down here. 
That's a Goonies reference. Our time, chronos, what we expect. When we're talking about wanting things now, we're talking about chronos because we're anxious, because we're afraid. We want things fixed in chronos, our time. But when we're talking about God's time, that's called kairos. God's time, when God will do things, is on his own timetable. We sometimes want God's timetable to be our timetable. We want to pull God into our timetable to make us feel better. But what God is asking us to do is to trust in his time, to allow our chronos to adapt to his kairos, to be faithful, to be patient, to wait, not just wasting time, but to know and to trust that God has taken care of it all. Isaiah is writing during a time of anxiety. If you were here last Sunday, we talked about how Isaiah chapter 40 and following are during a time where the people of God were in exile. They were defeated. Their temple was burned down by the Babylonian empire. Many of their learned people, skilled people were taken away, forced to walk to Babylon, which is about modern day Iraq. People were left behind in Israel to sort of fend for themselves there in Jerusalem. That was during Isaiah 40. During Isaiah 25, where we're reading today, they knew of the threat. They knew that there were these advancing cultures, nations, countries that were opposed to God and opposed to the people of God. In fact, if you were to look around Isaiah 25, you would notice that there are a lot of judgments or words against different groups of people from God that the prophet Isaiah is speaking about. He's, he's talking about these other places, like for instance, Moab is mentioned in his diatribe of, of words against these people. So there are all these threats, including the Babylonian empire that is getting strong and is about to threaten God's people. And so there's this anxiety. And in the midst of all of these negative statements, if you will, about these other cultures and kingdoms, Isaiah 25 stands as a glimmer of hope. He says that God is going to eventually bring all people to Jerusalem, all people to the Temple Mount. All people will come and there will be this grand feast, this beautiful feast with all the best foods and and God will provide it all. God will take care of it. This is what Isaiah says is in the future for God's people, even though they're on the cusp of this dangerous threat. In a sense, Isaiah is saying in God's time in Kairos, there will be this great feast and God will take care of us all. We just have to wait for it. It's done, it's concrete, it's, it's finished. We just have to wait for it. He says something else that's very important. He says that even on this mountain, this is what will take place. Why, Why does he say this mountain? What other mountain is he talking about? Well, the mountain that he's talking about is in Jerusalem. Now, spiritually speaking, theologically speaking, the mountain of Jerusalem is called Mount Zion. You've heard that before, Zion's heavenly city. Zion is the temple, mount, mountain. Now, you may 
realize that. We talked a little bit about it last week that Jerusalem is built on top of the mountain. If you were to go back and read some passages from the Old Testament, it might make sense. For instance, King David's house, being the king, his house was probably high up on the mountain. Maybe not at the top where the temple is, but high up. That makes a lot more sense when David is looking out on the rooftops and sees Bathsheba, right? Makes a lot more sense when you think about it on a mountain. The mountain, Mount Zion, is where they are and they feel threatened, they feel anxious on that mountain and he's saying, God will surely take care of us on this mountain. Where's the other mountain? We think maybe it's referencing Mount Sinai and the Sinai Peninsula, the, the place in between Egypt and Israel. And you may remember at Mount Sinai, that's where Moses went up and received the Ten Commandments and other commands from God. It was during that time where God rescued his people out of Egypt. And there was a time of waiting, 40 years, before they entered into the promised land. And during that time, they were told to wait and to hope and to trust in God. Isaiah seems to be connecting the two mountains and the two forms of trust. God surely pulled them out of Egypt and sent them into the promised land and God would be there for them too. It didn't speed up the clock, but it did remind people that they could be hopeful. They could trust in God for everything. That the future was set in stone. We just have to endure, wait, hope for what God has in store for us. Isaiah says, on this mountain, we can have hope if we wait in God, if we wait in the Lord. And again, we can see that that word hope is interchangeable. On this mountain, we have hope. Even in the midst of all the threats, we have hope for God. We don't know how things are going to unfold. We don't know what will happen yet. And yet at the same time, there is a future. And we know eventually God's people did come back from exile and Babylon. And there, was, there were difficult days of rebuilding, but it was rebuilt. What does it mean for us to have hope? And what does it mean for God's people to have a hope that's not tied to just one place, not just one mountain? In a sense, Isaiah is connecting the dots to say, we had hope on Mount Sinai. We can have hope now and we can have hope wherever we go. We don't have to wait here for God to show up wherever we go. Maybe even in Babylon, God will go with us and we can hope in God's strength and might even there. If you have ever felt hopeless, you may have felt like you needed to get back somewhere where there was hope or you might need to go back somewhere where, where God was located. I know I've made several pilgrimages in my life to those places where it was very clear God was present in my life. I've even forced my wife, Julie, to go there. She has no emotional connection there, but I do. And we go back there every now and then to connect. But even I have to remember God is not just there, but God is with us wherever we go. So where is your mountain? Where is your mountain? Not just the place that you would go, but where are you that God is present in your life? Where are you that God is there with a promise of sure hope 
ready for you that you can wait. You don't have to wait in line like I had to. You can have a virtual waiting, so to speak. You can be in God's presence wherever you go, whatever mountain you are on. To hope is to have a sense of certainty, not that we will work it out, but that God will work it out. I've read recently uh, a book called How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going. It's a great book. If you read it to try to figure out where you're going, it's not very helpful. Instead, what this author says is that when you're leading and you don't know where you're going, there are two things that matter. The first is that you've got to tend to yourself. You have to lay your own ego aside. You have to focus on being receptive to God's timing, kairos. You've got to be open enough to listen to the voices around you because if you're not careful, you will choose the wrong direction. You need to focus on God's direction. So one of the things that we can do if we're trying to, to be faithful and hope and hold on to that rope is to open up more and to be less anxious. The second thing that this author says is that we need to tend to the soul of the organization. Tend to the soul of the organization. Now, she says that the church is not just the conglomeration of a bunch of souls. It's not a fellowship, just a fellowship of, of people connected together together. But there is a soul, there is a, an identity to a church. Have you ever gone into another church and, and walked in that church and you felt love and excitement? It, it was just vibrant when you were there. Sometimes you, maybe you've gone to a church and you get a very different vibe and you say, okay, something's happened here. <laughs> Souls and churches, sometimes there is a vibe there. And when we don't know where we're going, we have to tend to the soul of the church to take care of the church and to help us recenter and to hold on to hope. Because eventually, even if we don't know where we're going, God's kairos, God's timing will show up for us. And we want to be ready. We want to have our soul receptive for when God's timing shows up. I recently also read uh, a quote from a pastor named John Claypool. For those of you not familiar, he was an Episcopal priest here in town. He eventually went to teach at a seminary in Atlanta, Mercer, McAfee Seminary. And apparently one of the quotes that John Claypool shared with people is that, is that the worst things are never the last things if we are following Jesus. If we are God's people, the worst things are never the last things. He continues in that quote saying, at the end of history, we will not hear taps. We will hear revelé. In the end of history for God's people, we will not hear woe is me, woe is us. We will hear thanks be to God. Think about Easter Sunday, how we talked about the Easter mindset that on Easter Sunday we see, say, he is risen, not hope is lost. When God is a part of things, there is always hope. But we have to be the people to hold on to hope. 
Friends, when we think about what it means to wait, it can be frustrating. I get it. I understand that I have walked through those lines as well. But we don't wait as people without hope. God has been faithful every time that we have needed him. Sometimes we may not have seen it, we may not have understood it, but God is always faithful. And so when we wait, we wait with hope. We wait holding on to hope. We wait looking for God's presence and guidance and truth and light because it is hopefully always around the corner. We might be able to hear it. We might be able to get a glimpse of it. But like Isaiah, sometimes we just have to trust and know that it's there. I hope if you have felt like you're holding on to a rope that is not tied to anything, that you will seek out the hope and the help that you need because friends, God is good and God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Let us pray. Holy and loving God, help us in our times of loneliness or hopelessness to turn again to you and to remember that you are the author of all good things. Help us to hold on to the hope that you provide and know that your light continues to shine and to eliminate the darkness. We just have to wait for your light to reach where we need it most and hope with certainty that it will. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.